Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. June 10th, happy Thursday. It is hot as heck in the state of Utah, except for today. It is actually yeah. a little nippy. I needed a jacket on my walk today. Thanks so, for joining us. This is my luck. I haven't been golfing in the morning. It's been hotter than Hades. And then this morning, I decided I'm finally going to carve some time out. Just nine quick holes. It's freezing. It, it was like 70 degrees when I woke up, and it was 59 when I was out and there I with feel like winds. I'm a, I'm a Texan. I'm complaining about uh, how chilly like it is 40, in 69. I told the guys <laughs> golfing with, there will not be another morning this rest of this year that will be this cold. The rest of the time. There you This is my Murphy's Law. Was it windy? Oh, terribly yeah. windy. Did you go with someone? Yeah, went with you, a pal. You just said, can you hold me? Like, that's, like, what I'm cold, uh, just like a little Yeah, no, that would have been awkward. <laughs> that would got awkward. Greg I does that all the time, from what no, I mean. No, I just, I, I was so ticked at the high winds and freezing temperatures after how hot it has been. It's like, you got to be kidding me. Greg Hughes, former yeah. Speaker of the House. I know. Thanks just for joining us if you're new. And Mara Carabello, <laughs> now, sword swinger of the XOR. Amateur group. lousy <laughs> golfer. That's all I do now. All yeah. right. Well, that's fine. Well, I'm glad you guys are all here today. I do want to talk about fire season and drought and all of that because I feel like it's like overtaking. We're seeing fire season, drought, and wind way more often than COVID now. So I guess we're transitioning from one news to another. So that's yes. good. But what I want to talk about right now is I actually have an invitation on my desk for uh, Governor Gary Herbert's, um, I guess, is it tribute concert that's coming up this Friday? So he's got a lot going on now that he's finally getting ushered out of his office. Greg, were you there yesterday when he got his formal painting unveiled? I was not. You I'm were not, not this invited? Is, this is news to me. I did not even hear this. Yeah, uh, the Capitol. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, know what was going on until I saw a couple uh, pictures tweeted last night. But yeah. whoever his artist was did a fine job. I it was a lovely so rendering. It was very nice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. No, I love they the Hall of Governors. I love seeing all those paintings. I think it's. I think I do think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I know I it's like touchy. It. I hate to bring it up because I know you'd like your painting there someday. But uh, you're I still have, young. I have a Speakers of the House Hall that I'm on that will be there forever. So oh, I have the Speakers that. have paintings. I didn't even not know paintings. That. They're oh. they're portraits. Oh, but portraits. You have. You have uh, Nolan Karras, and you have Rob Bishop, and you have uh, Bob Garth. You have it's a good group. Me, yeah. There's that one that you're having done for your front room too. So <laughs> yeah, no. Your no, wife's no having that done for Father's Day. <laughs> There's no paintings, but there is. You know, there is a. The, at least Mood the house does remember its former speakers, which I, you know, I appreciate. The kids, grandkids, maybe someday I'll see it. I think that's awesome. Well, uh, the former governor, obviously, um, still kind of having all of the traditional things as he is finally finished with the office but uh talk this week of a new job he's taken on he's with something campingish what was this greg like teton sports teton sports something like that i was a little surprised to hear that but when we were sitting around just talking a little bit about what's the governor up to is he relaxing is he playing with his kids is he golfing 
Mara, you say that maybe he's up to some things. What it's interesting to, to watch him. I mean, he's keeping himself in the news a little bit. He keeps taking these positions, and someone's sending out the releases about them, right? Because mm-hmm. we're hearing about them in a more formal way. He took a job with Utah Valley Chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, he's signed up to a couple of advisory boards in, a, in addition to the one with the Outdoor Products and Tenting. Yes. And so he's keeping his name in the hopper. And... You know, Greg's hearing this, I know, as well. Behind the scenes, you, when we've heard of candidates jumping in and asking for former uh, Governor Herbert's endorsement, his often told answer is, well, I don't know. It'll depend on if I'm getting in the race or not. So he's keeping yep, his I got a theory. Home. I got a theory. So do you really think he'll run? I think, I think he's being uh, encouraged to run against Mike Lee uh, in Mike, Senator Mike Lee's re-election. I think that... Um, so I, yeah, I think there's a crowded field of announced and can potential candidates that have not announced uh, that would look to run against uh, Senator Lee, and uh, as we've talked about other issues that have been breaking stories where you've seen some candidates like a former state representative Becky Edwards who mm-hmm. saw some uh, campaign flyers that attacked her, uh, and then an un- unannounced candidate Ali Isom who also saw some flyers that came mm-hmm. out criticizing her as a, a potential challenger to represent or to Senator Lee, everybody kind of looks at Senator Lee and says, Oh, look, he's going after these people. I've said from the very beginning that a crowded field of challengers uh, helps Senator Lee and that he wouldn't, he wouldn't slow down or interrupt any uh, crowded field from getting into the race and wouldn't want to discourage any of that. So he wouldn't be encouraging uh, flyers to go against potential rivals. But if you are one of the challengers, uh, or potential challengers, you might want to thin that herd of challengers because you don't want to dilute the people that are voting against Senator Lee. You'd like it all to kind of come to one candidate. So it fits that if uh, former Governor Gary Herbert is being asked or encouraged to run, uh, some of these attacks of other candidates with much lower name ID early uh, might be coming from a camp that would like to see the governor uh, run against Senator It would be Lee. so interesting, though. I mean, Ali used to work for him as a deputy chief of staff. I mean, I, I think this is more in the interesting political gossip realm. Yeah, but, I don't have yeah, any but, inside but info. I'm just, that's I just I will my say, I think Herbert's keeping his name out there. For whatever reason, maybe it's just sort of weaning himself from public office or um, uh, some or well, a group of supporters I, who's keeping his name out there. But to the point of that, that tribute gala, I've not seen candidates that have or or public servants who have left office and have retired i've not seen a continuation of fundraisers and and events like this and so just the existence of this gala Mm -hmm. uh that is happening because i remember in his last term as he was not seeking re-election people were saying why is he holding another governor's gala what's he raising money for if not for his re-election uh but he held that now he's out of office holding another one I, I don't think he's done. I mean, if he's if but you see the clear, news stories that he's that he's on advisory boards and he's doing these things and he has someone pushing these stories out and he's having a, a, a tribute gala, it looks like something's going on there. So, um, you know, that's that. Again, I don't have any inside info. I just think that you've seen some attacks on some candidates. I think the only people that are truly advantaged by trying to stop or slow down potential challengers mm-hmm. are other challengers. And so... I'm just connecting dots out here. That's what I'm doing. And if you that's go back, what, that's what I get the big to bucks 2020 for. in the summer in the gubernatorial race, you remember that 
the governor in had met with Thomas Wright, who was running, and at the time actually asked him, I think Thomas Wright was the one who admitted that the meeting had happened. They sat down over milkshakes and talked about the possibility of him getting out of the race, uh, clearing the way for Spencer Cox, and then maybe him running against Mike Lee. So it seems like the governor's wanted someone to run against Mike Lee, so maybe he's the someone. That's right. I mean, so he's he's uh, he's it's been reported, as you said, so this is an inside baseball. It was reported that that was part of their discussion, and it was – he would like to see someone uh, run against our incumbent Republican senator, Mike Lee. Interesting. So, so do you yeah. think he has a chance? He obviously has a big name. What do you guys think? He would certainly be a disruptor because he does have the name recognition. Um, he is probably perceived, rightly so, as a slight left of Mike Lee. I don't want to. I'm not trying to put him on the left side of the line at all. Right. But if you're comparing more to Mike as Lee, a Republican. yeah. If you're comparing to Mike Lee, he's probably more sort of traditional mainstream. Um, a Republican, and, and that's an interesting position, although many have said if you're going to beat Mike Lee, you better be right of him or right at him. Uh, but certainly he has what everyone needs to challenge, which is name ID. I think he's to the right of Romney, which I think uh, is a is means something in a positive way for Republicans in, in Utah. And name ID is uh, incredibly important. Take it from a guy who didn't have it and who needed it. <laughs> <laughs> that it would have been very good to have. So it, it makes, um, it certainly makes, I think, of all the names that have ever been thrown out running against Mike Lee, the strongest. That said, um, our former governor is advanced in age. Um, some might he's, find it odd to... 74? I forget exactly. He's 74, he is. but... I don't know. The guy's in great shape, though. I, I would match he is. Lee up in a tennis match with, with her oh, any just, day of the well, weekend. I know. I think he looks and feels like a lot... Player. Maybe 10 I, years I younger think he than he looks is. Great. He's a good athlete, for sure. He's actually a professional baseball player. People yeah. don't know that. No, but, he, um, I thought he played tennis. Where am I? No, he plays, ten, no, oh, he he plays, plays really good tennis. He's a good athlete. But I'll just say, all that said, I think that with in these midterms, you're going to see... Um, conservative candidates do well nationally and certainly here in Utah. And I don't think, I think um, Mike Lee is, is going to win re-election. So I want to keep the door open for challengers though, because the polling data shows he's vulnerable. Now that doesn't mean it's likely, but it does show he's below the line. He's under 40 on likability and re-elect right now. Now Interesting. he can, he can take that gap. And as Greg said, then you start to get into plurality discussions. And because remember this is an inner party, a June fight we're talking mm -hmm. about. And I will say whoever challenges him needs to have a lot of fire in the belly because Lee's not just going to take take a challenger um, lightly. He, you, you're going to have to be pretty tenacious and dogged to um, to sort of go up against Mike Lee. Well, he'll I'm getting have, all he'll excited have good for a, a good debate. Yeah. You know, now that we've done the gubernatorial debate, we can That's get right. 10 yes. of them on stage and Love hash it out. the Channel right. 2 debates. Yes, good they, stuff. All right, well. we've got to talk about fire season, because like I said, we're recording on a day where we all want to snuggle up with hot cocoa again. But next week, which is so crazy to me, we're barely in the middle of June. We're going to have days in not southern Utah, but up here in northern Utah that are 100, 102, 103, 104. Yeah. Hot days. We're talking about a drought, and we're also talking about literally being a couple weeks away from the 4th of July. Mara, can we ban fireworks? Does it work? Is it a good idea? Or do we need an outlet this year where we can say, freedom, <laughs> after the year we've had? 
It's a good idea. I mean, we we know that last year's fire cycle, and I, my numbers are wrong, but my ratios aren't. It was like 279 fires and 150-something yeah. were caused by humans. And I think we need to take a pass this year. Not completely. So what we've seen some other cities do is provide large public um, places where you can bring your own fireworks, but you have fire um, fighters watching you. But I think in your front yard or in your back patio or in the backfield, let's just take a year off because I do think, you know, the drought is kicking our butts right now. And it's not just Southern Utah. I mean, that's what's interesting. Remember Weber, Weber River is the lowest mm-hmm. we've seen it in state history. I think it's time to take the year off. Maybe not the formal fireworks shows that are going on in stadiums, but those of us who are zipping up to Wyoming and getting our favorites, we should maybe hold them this year. Or cities should create spaces where you can bring your family and there's a bunch of tarmac. and So should the know. governor, here's the question, make sure that they can't be sold, or does that not work because we all can find some place on the internet or Wyoming to buy them? You know, I mean, Utahns are huge fans, as we have seen from masks. Uh, if it were me, I would mandate it. But I think what's going <laughs> to I'm go, so surprised. If, if I'm the this governor. This chair has uh, uh, arms, arms on here, so I didn't fall but over I when I heard that you would want to ban that we boss have, people around. Um, I think the two weeks we would have... Uh, I I think we strongly suggest and caution. Now, I will say this isn't unheard of, right? I live in the foothills, and we have not been allowed to have fireworks since, I don't know, I think like the early 2000s or something. So this is not unheard of. We, You know, if you have a wedding here, you can't light off those nice little floaty balloon things that go. And we we live in Utah. We live in an arid state. I, I think that we should. I think the governor's office should put out a ban restriction on saying, no, not this year, not right now. The other thing I'm game for is paying for the cost of the fire. And I know that that has also been controversial, but you light the fire, you help put out the fire. Yeah, it's hard to go after people. I know, and especially hard when all of a sudden it's your 12-year-old, you didn't know where they were at, and they have matches, and mom's in charge. (laughs) So, Greg, okay, if you were governor right now, the current governor said not on state lands. I think there's about 144, I don't know if that's the exact number, of areas that they're saying, no, you can't do it. In past years, there's maybe been a dozen, but there's a lot right now. Right. So practically speaking, I think that if you if you pass a law or not, or if you say that you're going to ban them, you're going to... He- I heard them last night. I heard fireworks right. going off. So already. I... Yeah, I've already heard them. So it's going to happen. It doesn't... I, I don't think some flowery lo- written law or worded law is going to change that. I do think the locations, the, the foothills, areas where... Uh, fires can start where it's particularly dangerous i think you have to pull out the stops and make sure that people know these are areas you cannot even dream of lighting off fireworks here's the other thing i remember a year when it was so dry out that if you if your truck pulled up and there was high grass the muffler's so hot it could and it was so dry it was causing fires just pulling off to the side of the road if a truck pulled off to a a berm that was just uh, that you know, it wasn't a curb and it wasn't asphalt. It was just a, and it had, you know, dry weeds. It was causing fires. So I, even, even backhoes that would dig and create a spark was, they were starting fires. So I think there's some situational issues that we have to really, really be careful about, but some blanket ban on fireworks in the state, it won't work. People are still going to have them. And then what I'm afraid of, because it's being ignored at such, in such a wholesale way, then we're not really staring at some of the real high risk areas that we have to be particularly careful of. So I would, I would make sure that we were, we were putting the word out clear where those areas are that are at high risk. And then beyond fireworks, be careful where you're pulling over uh, if you're in a truck or something else. And also uh, because, you know, just 
backhoes, everything else, the sparks, things that happen when you're digging. There's just a lot of things that can start a fire that I think we should be talking about more than just fireworks. I know this really comes back to personal responsibility, being smart, being careful, because we all are in this together. I don't think we want our state to burn down, but sometimes I think those bands backfire. I don't know if you guys remember, but 2020, last year, it was in the middle of the pandemic. LA was locked down. They banned fireworks there, and someone drew flew a drone over the city and it was the most spectacular sight I've ever seen, like massive fireworks everywhere. Yeah. And it was a, a collective, you know, yep. F you to whether it was the governor or the mayor of the town or whoever did it, but I'd never seen so many fireworks and it's hard to put neighbors calling neighbors, reporting everyone. So just don't be a jerk. People. Just don't be a jerk. And before we leave the drought, let's do a quick PSA about if you want to know what will be the most effective thing to do in your house today is water your lawn twice a week, right? So we've all been, everyone raised the rate of like drought, drought, what do we do? We're slowly now starting to see real information about what we can do. And the we part of this is let your lawns go a little brown because lawns we know can come back. They only need an inch inch of rain or water um, to keep alive. Mm -hmm. You can brown out your lawn. You can water your shrubs, your flowers, and your trees, and you'll be good to go. But the most important, interestingly, I think, thing we can do right now is cut back on watering our lawns. And especially, I've seen a lot of businesses that are still watering during the day. If you see it in the that day and when it's really sense. hot, yeah, I think that there's a lot of that going on right now. And I think some even, you know, the curbs, landscape, uh, the curb, uh, the, the park strips that we see in front of uh, commercial businesses, it just doesn't need to be grass. I mean, I, I think you can actually change some of the areas, particularly commercial areas that have grass, that no one's playing on, no one's using it. It's not someone's house or their backyard. I think we could do something to cut down on how much we water around commercial areas too. Absolutely. Crispy church lawns, we'll take them this we'll year. take them. I know, and sometimes it happens. I remember I flew to, it's been years ago, I flew to Dallas, and I remember landing there, and it was the first time I'd been there, and all the lawns were just brown. I'm like, what kind of godforsaken place <laughs> is this? But it was a drought year, and I don't yeah. think any of them were watering. I'm sure it comes back, but it was like, I was just like, where am I at, and is this the apocalypse? But they were all brown, so it happens, and not just here in Utah. Well, speaking of Utah, Utah Democrats uh, have new leadership they'll be picking soon. Should there be concern over voter suppression? Greg's laughing. I so love it's this not story just Republicans so this time. Much. So their party leader currently right now, Jeff Merchant, there I guess other members of the party are worried that he's going to be blocking out their ability to vote. What's happening here? We'll let Mara have the second say on this. So I love it because it's all it's all who it impacts. So, you know, if you talk to Democrats and it's a general election and it's a, and it's a highly populated Mm -hmm. metropolitan area of a lot of Democrats, they're not looking for a whole lot of verification on any kind of vote, how you vote, when you vote, how many times you vote. They don't care. They just, they just vote, vote early, vote often is the, is the saying with Democrats, but when it impacts themselves, boy, now we start to verify who's voting and when they're voting. Best example of that is in California, where if it's a general election, you, all all bets are off. You can vote anyway. They just mass mail ballots to anybody. You can, you know, whatever. Wow. But if you want to recall a governor from uh, from that state, oh, they're checking the, the <laughs> they're checking the voter registration there because the recall election requires so many uh, signatures. Man, they are scrutinizing scrutinizing the daylights out of those signatures to qualify for a recall election, which I think it's qualified for now. So you see a Democrat party in California where when it comes to a general election, when they want to beat a, a Republican, you can vote any way you want. 
when it's themselves that are at risk, boy, they are checking everything. Same thing here with this. This party election for the party leadership. Mara's making faces. They are they are scrutinizing so, every inch, every muscle you move. They're making sure you can vote or you can't vote because it's on the line for themselves. So I just find I just find the selective logic or outrage to be amazing amongst our friends in the Democrat Party. So I am so angry with Utah <laughs> Democrats this week for giving a softball to Greg Hughes <laughs> to hit out. Because it's and totally true. Chill his malarkey as though <laughs> it's applicable. So so they, they they faulted on this. And let me tell you who the they is. A small group of Democrats who are Democratic leaders who are challenging the current leader mm-hmm. of the party are having a leadership conversation. And the reason I say it's a misstep is they do this in public and they give Greg Hughes a softball to conflate. So let's talk about how this is an apple and what we're talking about are potatoes. So (laughs) when you talk about voter flawed in a general election. Anything against Republicans, a potato and anything with I'm just telling you, general election voter fraud that goes on and is generally in the form of suppression against underserved groups has nothing to do with what the Democrats are talking about. So I'm going to give a big black eye to the few Utah Democrats who gave Greg Hughes a softball here. And here's what they're talking about. They're talking about a very complicated system in which parties allocate delegates in their inner party voting. So when when you vote, you're a delegate, and as Greg knows, you go to a convention on a perfectly good day when you should be outside, and you vote for party leaders. And the distribution of how many precincts and districts get one to three delegates is incredibly complicated. I mean, like, there is, you know, math people who don't do this. It's a hard, complicated process. That's what these guys are complaining about. They're not complaining about a democratic system. No, they want to so make sure that the people have a right to vote. A, it's just voter verification you are so to make sure that the person so that's voting it. has a right to vote. That's what so, this all boils so this down to. Imagine that inner party fight that does not have to do with one person when vote at all. Uh, and the Dems threw Greg Hughes a softball yes, this week no, they and they just, should be ashamed they showed, of themselves. They showed their selective outrage the and term. logic. They did. And we should go back to worrying about I, voter hey, look, suppression I'm, among I'm with the Democrats. Voters. I think everybody should be verified to be legally allowed to vote. I just think that's part of the process. It should be, it should be easy to vote. And hard to cheat. If you needed to turn That's off your, your podcast vote, for a second to, cheat. to get something out of your pocket, now's the time. Because what Greg is talking about <laughs> has nothing to do with the voters. The, I'm air quoting uh, voter suppression yes. right now. Of course it has nothing to do with it. Of uh, course. So convenient. Voting matters. Just behave, everyone. That's like my answer to everything. Just behave. Okay, so uh, the Dixie name change. It looks like it's going to happen. There was a vote this week, 13 to 3, to move forward with changing the name of Dixie State, taking the word Dixie out. Right now, they're favoring, favoring using the word Utah or poli sci in there. Have they made the right decision, and are they headed in the right direction? They certainly made the right decision. This is, like, I think the third time they've made the right decision, but for a small band of people in St. George who are wanting to keep and it me. alive. And and Greg Hughes, because he <laughs> likes the Confederacy still, and we're not no. sure why. And so I think this was a great move. I think it's really important because it's student-focused. It's focused on people who are currently going to school here and don't want to graduate from Dixie State. 
Uh, I will say the state, I, I think it was a waste of money from my seat, but state gets credit for listening to the citizens going in. From what I understand, they held over 60 focus groups. They talked to as many people as they could. They talked to pros and cons. They uh, historically researched the origins. So I think the state did its due diligence and gave this body the information that they needed to make the decision. I think it's the right decision. Um, it'll be interesting to see which name they've come, come up with, but it will really matter, I think, in the long run to get rid of the term Dixie. Utah Polytech, I feel like that's just what they're going to go with. They, they so missed too. out on Southern Utah University a while ago, a little north uh, of them. I think so it's a shame. A I think name. the name has, has a, a connection to that community. Look, here's my position. I know a young mom. Her name's Dixie. She's got two kids on a mission. She's a very, very wonderful woman. She did not pick her name. Her parents did. If I accept the premise that the word Dixie has to be removed from all public places because it infers or suggests that you are racist, then I am also saying that this nice person that I know whose name is Dixie is also carries around a, a racist name. I do not think that her name is racist. I don't think that she is racist. And I am not going to subscribe to the 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 popular thought right now that if that name is appears somewhere that the, that the connotations of racism rage on I know but don't you think it might hurt you if you're going for a grad degree you're looking for a job so let's nope. say your child <laughs> has a degree from Dixie State and then they're applying for a grad school in Mississippi or somewhere you don't think that yeah, maybe this, that, that might make that them think well they're just a racist jerk. I've never heard that until recently there was a there was a poll done uh, that we that I heard of maybe a year or so ago but this. This idea that this name was the was the bane of people's lives, it, it showed up in a poll not that long ago, and everybody has just run with it. And again, I'm going to say, if you know someone with that name, if you're not ready to, to assume the worst of that person, then you cannot do the same for a school so that's named Dixie. So someone's proper noun is different than, um, the, than the government affixing a name to it. And we're mostly talking about the symbols that have historically been associated with that campus. We know that at one time there was a Confederate soldier. They took it out. We know at one time they were using Confederate flags. We know that some fundraisers were cotillions. There was an application of racist imagery that just doesn't need to happen in the state of Utah, nor does it represent us. And then Greg, it's remarkably different if it's a state-run institution. And I think what is what we're losing on this is who originally petitioned is, in fact, students. And we should be forward-thinking. Utah has a habit of leaning backwards. And this name's been here since, what, the 50s? Let's not our, act like this is our heritage to it. And we're really wanting, I think, to mark to the students and, more importantly, the governing board that was put forth. And given this authority, we should really respect local control. And we should respect the fact that the preponderance of people want it. Two, and two I, and more I things. hear what you're saying about this nice lady named Dixie, but you and I both know that nobody is attributing that same sort of imagery and ideology to a proper noun. It's etched across the mountain, the red rock of that town. Above the whole town is the word Dixie. I, and once you give in to the idea that this is a pejorative and this is a negative, I don't know what you do about the word Dixie over top of the whole town. I guess you could history as a museum. And, and the other thing I'd say is when you say it started by these students, did you see yesterday's headline that these uh, students that go to Oxford University, which, by the way, my business partner went to Oxford, and he said that that particular college is – uh, and at graduate school where people from other outside of England tend to go mm -hmm. to this uh, school, they want to take the <laughs> Queen Elizabeth's face off. They, they got a picture of her in the college. They want to take it down because she was uh, the queen of colonial uh, Britain, you know, where they were, where they had 
lands that were not theirs, and they want they want the Queen's picture taken down from the walls of Oxford University. Give me a break. I mean, it's just now you're the defender of a, a monarchy much. as well. Well, you know what, Queen Elizabeth, she's, you she's know what, lovely. those are loyal subjects over there, and they have every right to have her face, her her portrait on their, purse, remember, in their we, colleges and in the, on the walls away. of their schools. We broke away. We wanted independence. But I just, but it's, again, when you say, I just, it just reminded me when students originate something that doesn't make it the best idea. I think that's a woke idea to take no, Queen Elizabeth's I mean, any, any portrait symbol, down from the hallways of Oxford University. Give me a break. You acknowledge that. Dixie and the South and the Confederacy has symbols, right? I, I mean, just, that exists I just don't in relate. your world, right? I, when I moved here so, and I so moved why there, not went down there, I never related to the South because it's not in the South. I mean, good news is they did their due diligence. They've gone through several rounds of processes, and it appears that we're moving forward, I think. Yeah. When we say the South, I just think of mossy trees, and I just want to go mm-hmm. live there with some alligators and <laughs> drink some sweet tea, some lemonade. Sit oh. on the porch, mm-hmm. rock a little bit. Love me some South. Uh, the one thing I think that'll be good coming out of this, I think the university is a university with great degrees now, but I think there were some kids in years in the past where it really was kind of you went to school, but without a lot of direction, it was the party school, and now calling it Utah Polytech, if that's what they do, you can change that on your resume, and you can say, hey, I graduated from Utah Polytech, and you don't have to be the party kid. And it does focus where, yeah. where their sweet spot has been within our higher education system. Sweet spot it is. Uh, we need to talk about this. This was not a sweet spot. Uh, this week, Sim Gill said that there are going to be no charges filed for the University of Utah police chief. I think a lot of people forgot about this, but he was taken off the job. Um, Ronnie Chapman, he was hired to come and kind of fix the mess that came uh, from the police force there. And um, December is, I think, when he was taken off. They finally say, okay, he's fine to go back to work. So, Greg, the reason why they were looking at him was because he was impersonating a police officer, wearing a badge, possibly, and also carrying a gun. Does this make any sense in your brain that they were actually investigating this? He was obviously hired to be the police chief. Yes, it makes no sense. Uh, The reason why charges were not filed and this was not pursued is that it was well known in the press release that announced his arrival that he was coming from out of state and from a different jurisdiction. And no one would have ever imagined that he would be post-certified upon stepping foot in the state of Utah. So I, I, I found that to be an excuse. That might be a good reason, but not the real reason why they wanted to let him go. Uh, and as that case was handed over uh, you know, to the district attorney, uh, they looked at it, and I don't think they could straight-faced pursue that charge. And so they didn't. And where, they, where, this, where the university goes from here... Who knows? Because everybody understood that they were trying to get rid of him and he wasn't going to resign. I don't know where that's what's going to happen now, but I found it to be odd. Well, why do they want to get rid of him? He came here to fix a problem. Are they mad? Well, the because story he was is that he was the he was not doing it. He was doing it in a very strong uh, way. He was not pulling punches. He was looking at the problems that amounted to this poor young lady and her family who had reached out to that uh, that law enforcement agency multiple multiple times it's heartbreaking to see how that rolled out where no response was given and he was cleaning house and think, it was upsetting a lot it of people like that was the right thing to do and i guess we it should does. get some history unless you haven't uh, been in utah for a long time but the laura mccluskey case um a young woman who was murdered on campus the police had received multiple calls from her hadn't really given her the due attention she needed so he comes in he tries to clean up 
And is he being punished for cleaning up, Mara? I think he is. I think this is a microcosm of how hard it is to change systems. Yeah. I think he came in as a change agent. Now, remember, they also restructured, so he had a boss, a campus security Security that's kind of over him, yeah. So that was a little weird, too. You almost had two chiefs in some ways. And so they bring him in as a change agent. I think that's exactly right. He started to make change, and he was rather agnostic to the powers that be to some degree. And what's interesting about his admin leave is a couple things. One, it's essentially a clerical accusation, right? And so you put a guy, we're paying for him, you put a perfectly qualified person on admin leave because it appears as though he was acting too fast and too quick as a change agent. The other part of this that's even more unusual is that if you know about post-certification, which mostly applies to elected sheriffs, so where this comes up for the most for the state of Utah is you can get elected as a sheriff and not actually be a trained cop. And so we have within our laws the ability for that person within a year to go get post-certified, as Greg yep. was talking about. So you go, you take the courses, you train Mm -hmm. and and so even if this guy wasn't qualified or certified at utah our laws clearly state that there's a runway there when you get a position that you can um, be certified so i don't want to go too far there because sim gill's office essentially did say they didn't meet any qualifications but it is interesting that who accused him were some of the police officers who had been accused or disciplined during the McCluskey thing. And you got to wonder again how hard it is to change systems and how hard it is to change moving machines because from my seat, it looks like a person who focused on change agent and focused on getting things done quickly, maybe just stepped on some toes. Um, and, and so you saw this series of almost clerical uh, accusations that sidelined him culture changes they're hard whether it's Dixie State University your police chief I don't even think it's a think it's a fact that he stepped on toes and I but I thought that's why they brought him in in the first place so I I think I think what happened there needed some strong leadership and they weren't ready for that so we have a long time to talk about it before we go this week though I want to talk really quickly about Mitt Romney he kind of is in the middle of a lot of discussions going on but Biden's kind of hit a brick wall he's headed off to Europe for his first international trip But the infrastructure deal is just going nowhere. He wants trillions. The Republicans are saying, we'll give you about a third of what you want. Greg, uh, Mitt Romney is now part of the discussion, although when I listen to Mitt Romney, uh, he tells a little different story than the Biden administration. He says they're pulling him in for part of this. He says, no, I'm working in this group of 20 senators. We're trying to figure something out. Do you think Mitt Romney can help them get closer to the Biden deal, or is he going to say, no way, let's not spend the money? I think if President Biden Biden were to look at the Republican senators um, that he's that are serving while he's president, uh, Romney might be the most friendly face of the Republicans. Um, so he would certainly be one that Biden, if he wants to get an infrastructure deal done with the Republicans, uh, that's someone he's going to reach out to is Mitt Romney. So, and I think uh, I think that there are some there are enough senators out there that uh, Mitt is pointing to that want to join him in finding some agreement. But look. If agreement means just, you know, do what I want you to do, if that's what compromise or that's what finding common ground means to the Biden administration, then they're not, I, I actually don't think that Mitt Romney, Senator Romney will, will play along with that. So I think there needs to be some sincere uh, acknowledgement that you got 50 senators, Democrat senators in the Senate, and there's 50 Republicans in the Senate. And so what you want and what you can get are very different. And so maybe Senator Romney can help uh, the Biden administration understand the realities of that. 
better than what's happened so far. And the interesting thing, Mara, before we go to you, is when I was there in Washington just a couple of weeks ago, the one thing that really ruffled Mitt Romney's feathers when we were talking is he was mad when he was brought into the White House. He sat down, they had a talk, and then left, and there was never any discussion of what happened. It was kind of like a show pony kind of thing where he was like, he's not listening, you know? We were just kind of yep. used to get be brought in there. So it's surprising to me that people say, okay, you know, Mitt Romney can get him closer to the plan because I think Mitt Romney doesn't want to spend money more than any of the other Republicans do. Yeah, Romney's been very pointed about his criticisms mm -hmm. of how he's been included or the Republicans have been included. What it looks like, he's also been incredibly plain spoken about his feelings on taxes and the associated cost of the infrastructure bill. And I think he's been really clear on that. I think this is interesting. It'll be an interesting thing to see if it's reflected in public sentiment because at this moment in time, I think Utahns, and more pointedly Republican Utahns, should be really happy that Mitt Romney is our representative right now. He's focused on the things that traditionally Utahs, Utahns have been focused on mm -hmm. in terms of innovation and clean energy, but sort of above, all, all above the line energy. And he has been focused on... Now Greg's on, making faces. He's totally... <laughs> a, a productive infrastructure. And I think the reason he is at the table is that he is... Um, less inclined to respond to sort of headlines in terms of art, and he is willing to sit down and see if they come to a structural deal on what could be included, including innovation and technology and broadband. I think that's what the nature of the Republicans who are at the table are the Republicans who will look beyond sort of brick and mortar only. They're not quite ready to go to the social stuff that, they're, that the far left yeah. is selling, but it's people who are willing to sell um, more innovative ideas. And ironically, that traditionally has been where Utah Republicans are. Look, if you can't get along with Romney... President Biden, it doesn't get better for him because that's about the best. That that's the best most Republican receptive option, audience yeah. he's going to get when these midterms get closer and they're coming up. It's you're, I think you're going to see some change in the makeup in the House and the Senate, and I don't think it's going to get easier for a Biden administration. This is his window, and it's shutting in, the, in real time. So if he can't get along with Romney, who they should be, they, 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 that's his best shot. But and Greg, remember, it's not it's not Biden getting along with Romney. It's Biden balancing his party with the Republican well, party. Well, do they can't, do so they not know math? So I mean, it's brokering. not getting better after but the midterms. I, I mean, I just don't know what they think is going to happen. He's brokering. I think here. Biden is brokering in good faith. It's his balance between the votes he's got to keep and the votes he's got to get. And he's in a rock and a hard place because I foresee this infrastructure bill getting passed as Biden wants it and doing it only with Democrats. But then. Does he hurt himself because he promised when he ran That's that he right. was going to listen to both sides, he was going to get everyone working together, and if he can't do that, does it hurt him? Yeah, if it's a budget bill, uh, the vice president can break the tie on a budget bill, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so, so. They don't need a single Republican to do it. But I will tell that, you, yeah. the midterms won't won't get any kinder with a, with a maneuver like that, especially with the amount of money they're talking about and how— Anyway, so there's always another election just around the corner. Seems to be. <laughs> there always is. Well, thanks so much for making us a part of your Thursday. We will be back next week. Tell your friends about us. Give us a rating and we will talk politics again soon.